Let's love the Lord together one more time. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb of God. Thank you for he who sitteth upon sitting upon the throne forever and ever. Amen. Well, good time this morning in worship. Wow, what a beautiful atmosphere. And, uh, and I just am so happy to be here. First time I've ever been here. Um, in the gathering here. It's beautiful. Love Moravian Falls. And uh, so I'm happy that uh, my lovely wife Missy has joined me and all six of our kids. Um, let's see there on the end. There's Ben. Ben, can you wave? Uh, next to him is Hutton. Then Madison. Stand up, guys, just for a second. Let me embarrass you good. Okay. Then there's Madison, and then the tall redhead is C.J. Chris Jr. The, um, the older daughter there is Athena, and then our youngest, Ellie, or Elizabeth. And so we're glad to be here with you. So happy that uh, my friends are with me, A.T. and Brian, and just, uh, just love and appreciate friends. And I guess those who have come up from Fort Mill, thank you for the support today. Missy, do you want to come up and greet the crowd? Or? I didn't warn her ahead of time, so. But this is my better half, other half, better slash other. All right. I had a mint in my mouth. I didn't, <laughs> like, I don't want to say no, but. Wow, yeah, we are really excited. Um, we do love Moravian Falls. We've been to the area before, but getting to come to the church is awesome. We have kind of stalked the outside because <laughs> it's beautiful here, you know. When we learned the history of this area, it was just absolutely mind-blowing and um, inspirational to us, to our whole family. And um, we just, we really have loved coming and just feeling, you know, what's in the atmosphere around here. And we've heard so much about the church here and all of you people. And um, this really is an amazing uh, group of folks here. You all are so loving and your worship is beautiful. And I'm thankful that you've uh, welcomed us in. Um, and we hope that... Uh, we get to meet you guys and spend some more time together soon. So, yeah. Can't wait to see what God's going to do today. Praise the Lord. I uh, want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit today, just whatever he would speak or whatever he would have to say. That's what we want to say. I think of the words of Jesus when he said, I only speak what I hear my father speak, and I only do what I see my father do. And I wonder how much trouble we cause ourselves when we speak and act where the father isn't speaking or acting. It's presumption when we do those things, but when we speak what he's speaking and do what he's doing, all of heaven backs us up. Amen. All of heaven backs us up. I want to read just a few verses of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, and I want to start at verse 7. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for 
Had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them who love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Notice that, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I'm going to speak this morning on the subject of increasing your spiritual capacity increasing your spiritual or your spirit's capacity. And uh, I want to thank Pastor David and Pastor Shirley as well uh, for inviting me. And I am thankful. I believe it's the right time for me to be here today. And uh, that's what matters. Increasing your spirit's capacity. I want to make a few statements. And I think that when I make these statements, at first it kind of almost it might sound shocking, but if you'll allow me, I'll clarify. Number one, the Holy Spirit can be no bigger in you than your spirit is developed. Now we know that God is all-powerful, knows all, sees all, does all. But it's not a question of how big or powerful God is. It's how big and powerful He can be in you. And the level of your spiritual capacity determines the level through which His Holy Spirit can fill you. In other words, it can be no bigger, the Holy Spirit can be no bigger in you than what you give Him place. You know, the writer of the New Testament says, neither give place to the devil. Well, I mean, the fact is, is if we can give place to a spiritual being on the negative side, right? then we have to choose and willingly give space in ourselves and our hearts to the Holy Spirit. You know, I think of the scripture in the book of Acts when the writer said, told the, the, on the Athenian altar to the unknown God, and it was said, in him we live and move and have our being. You understand we are in God. He's omnipresent spirit that fills the universe. We live. You're driving down the road. 
listening to worship music, right? You are in God. You're, you're moving, you're living in Him, and have your being. So here's the key. All humanity, saved and, and, and lost, are in God, so to speak, but not all of us is God in us. In other words, I'm speaking in a geographical location. I'm not talking about in the body of Christ. We are in God, and I think he quoted it. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I ascend to the highest heavens, behold, thou art there. So there's no geographical location that you can go where the Spirit of God is not. We understand that we all are moving, living, functioning, driving, flying, working in God, but is God in us? And to what capacity? The only thing that can make God seem a million miles away, and I'm sure that all of us at times or another have felt like there was this great gulf between us and God especially when we carry guilt or remorse or we're battling some kind of sin or struggle in our life, it makes it feel like that God is removed or far from us. Even though he said to the believers in a promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what then can make God feel so far away if you reach your hand out and he's there? In him we live and move and have our being. If he promised he'd never leave the believer, if he's so near, why can he seem so far away? Well, the answer to that is the only perceived distance between us and God is the dissimilarity between our spirit and his. So it's not a distance of geography that can be measured in space and time. It's a difference or dissimilarity in our spirits or our thinking. The more we align our mind with the truths of the Word of God, the more the Holy Spirit can flow and work through us. We take on the mind of Christ. So the Holy Spirit can be no bigger in you than your spirit is. It can be no bigger than what you give it place. I'll say it like this. Give your spirit a big place in your life. And I'll explain what that means in a minute. If you enlarge or nurture or develop your spirit man, give it big place, big power. Little place, little power. You know, you are a tripart being of body, soul, and spirit. And we're told to present our bodies a living sacrifice. That includes body, soul, and spirit. Unto God, which is our reasonable service. Your spirit is the innermost chamber of your being. It is the place where the Holy Spirit wants to dwell. It is the holy of holies, if you please. But outside of your spirit, imagine an egg for a minute with the yolk and the yellow and the, the uh, white um, shell on the outside. In a similar way, just for imagery purposes, outside of your spirit, which is the yoke or the yellow inside, encasing your spirit is the soul. Now, that's important to remember, but remember that the Holy Spirit operates bigger than your spirit. 
That's, of course, why we want to emphasize growing and nurturing and developing the spirit man. But the fact is, is God can't be limited by the size of your spirit. He just appears to be limited in the size of what he can do through your spirit. Does that make sense? We don't limit God's ability, but we can limit his ability to work and function through us. So when we begin to understand that the Holy Spirit operates bigger than our spirit, when he operates bigger than your current capacity of your spirit man, then of course that's where faith comes in. Faith recognizes God can think and do much bigger than what my spiritual capacity can currently believe or expect of him to do. But the fact is, is that doesn't negate the need for us to develop and nurture our spiritual man. If we enlarge our spirit man, it's the spirit that searches the deep things of God and knows all things and all mysteries. The fact is, as believers, we are to know by the spirit. We're to walk by the Spirit. We all want to see by the Spirit, taste and hear by the Spirit. But what happens when your spirit is still in an infantile stage and it's not really developed or been matured beyond entry-level Christianity and because those spiritual senses haven't been used or developed? then it seems as if there's less and less and less the believer can do by the Spirit. So the key then is to nurture, to develop, to mature the Spirit in you. Now understand, most people are soulish. Do you understand what, I'm, what I mean? The soul is comprised of the will, the thoughts, or emotions. Most people confuse spiritual things as if it's soulish things. We're to not live from our soul, but we're to live from the Spirit. And, and the Spirit within us is supposed to be so full of His Spirit. And to work in, in a unity of the Holy Spirit and our human spirit to such a degree that when our soul gets broken then the spirit can leak out and work through that permeable membrane of our soul. But when people are hardened or calloused or they're not broken, then the, what is in the spirit, man, stays locked up, encased in the spirit and can never be released through the soul and out the body. When what's in your spirit, the Holy Spirit, can be released, and that's what we're talking about this morning, is how do we release what is in our spirit out and through us? Because that's when the sick are healed, the dead are raised, and demons are cast out, and blinded eyes are opened, and deaf ears are unstopped. We do, we heal by the Spirit, we prophesy by the Spirit. We discern by the Spirit, but if the Spirit part of us is underdeveloped and has not been matured or nurtured, then we either go into performance mode 
from the soul to perform or we try to take matters into our own hands to try to make something happen. Remember, the scripture says, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now this is, to me, this I think is what needs to be addressed in the church right now, just from my perspective. Verse 14, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. What, one of the biggest things that hinders people from receiving freely the things which are available to us by grace through faith that was provided to us by the cross of Jesus Christ when Jesus died and shed his blood and thank God that he did, it's the foundation of our message. When he did, it released the riches contained in the glory. And we are recipient. We don't earn them. We don't deserve them. But they are released to us when we exercise faith. Grace releases the riches contained in the glory that was made available to us by the cross. But what happens when we seek and don't receive? Or we pray and no activity happens? Or we prophesy and our words fall to the ground? You understand what's happening is the natural man, the more we uh, develop and live from the soulish realm, the natural senses, and the more that we live from Frankly, the human mind, the human will, even the carnal nature. It becomes impossible to receive and operate and function in giftings and authority and receive all things, spiritual blessings that are made available to us. We try to do it from our human capacity, our soul, our will, emotions, So it's, it's important to understand that the scripture says the spirit searches the deep things of God. If you've ever been around someone or known someone who seems to have revelation about people or revelation about world events, and you think of great prophetic voices, we think of Bob Jones and different people who seemed to be so in tune with what God was saying to the individual or to the church at that time. Whether it's about a future event or it's about personal things in their life, I can guarantee you that there was a lot of time spent in developing the spirit and enlarging the spirit within that person. And God can use your senses, but I think Bob said it like this. He said, you t he talked about the golden senses. Your senses can be carnal or they can be spiritual. But I want you to look once again here, verse 14, 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. 
If you want to receive more of what is already freely made available to you, then spend more time developing your spirit man. We're not just... When we, we say things like we need to get in the Word and read the Word, we need to spend time in prayer and, and, and set aside time for fasting. These are not just ritual, religious rituals that we're doing to earn something. No, they, these things uh, don't earn us anything. What they do is they cultivate an environment within us that makes it conducive for the spirit man within us to develop and mature. And I like this. It says, the natural man receives not the things of God. They're foolishness to him. And here's what it says. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. How many times is God speaking, but we're not hearing? Because it's spiritually discerned. If you try to hear from the Spirit of God from a soulish mind, You'll either miss it, or if you hear it, you'll dilute it or pervert it or poison it. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Neither can they be known. The natural-minded person who's always focused on money and promotion and all those things are fine. It, it, there's nothing wrong with... I'm just simply saying that when they never spend time cultivating, nurturing, developing the spirit within them for the spirit of God to fill more and more and enlarge more and more their capacity. They never grow in their ability to discern by the spirit. How many times is God wanting to move, but we miss the move of God perhaps because we didn't discern by the spirit the direction he wanted to go? Or how many times have we walked in to Walmart or to an everyday place and we walked down the aisle and we felt like that God had something to say to the person in the line next to us checking out. But we weren't picking it up. We didn't quite pick it up. We, we, we didn't feel like we had clarity to speak. Do you know that word at that moment could be the very thing that breaks strongholds off of them and allows them to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ? But we cannot, if we are stuck in the soulish mind, in the natural man, and we're not furthering or developing or maturing or enlarging our spiritual capacity, God may want to speak through you to someone. It may be a life or death matter. He may want to speak to you to lay hands on someone with cancer. It may be a life or death matter. How many times has God wanted to work through us, but we didn't discern it? He was speaking, but we didn't hear it. I think it was one man of God that said it like this. He said, God is speaking a lot less than what we claim he is, but a lot more than what we're able to hear. The Spirit speaks to Spirit. Now that's important to get that. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit. They're discerned spiritually. So here, here's what I need you to get. Spirit speaks to Spirit. Spirit doesn't speak to flesh the same 
And spirit doesn't speak to soul the same. Spirit speaks to spirit. So many times we say, God, I want you to speak to me, and we're expecting vocal cords to produce a sound. A spirit doesn't have vocal cords. Do you know what an angel's voice said? Now, yes, God can appear to you in the physical realm, but I'm talking by and large, it's usually in a spiritual vision or some kind of dream. There's usually not vocal cords involved. Even Jesus said a spirit doesn't have flesh and blood as you see him have. But since he ascended back to heaven and now the Lord is coming to us through the Holy Spirit, you understand, do you know what a spirit's voice sounds like? A thought. Have you ever just been... You know, bad things are happening or you haven't really spent time in the secret place and you haven't really spent time in the Word and suddenly there's just like a darkness and a heaviness, like an oppression that comes over you. And then out of nowhere you start thinking thoughts that you would never really think on your own. When somebody starts thinking thoughts of, well, nobody loves me anyways, this world would be better off without me and... Or you start thinking thoughts of hate. Or where do you, what do you think that is? If you don't normally, naturally think those things, you think that you're just stuck in your thoughts. No. A spirit's voice sounds like a thought. The angels in the throne room. The Bible says they cried one to another. There is things that you can communicate by spirit. And I'm not trying to get all weird on you here, but this is real stuff. It clearly says the things that, are, that God wants to release to us, naturally minded people don't receive them. Why? Because they're foolishness unto him. A, a, a natural-minded person is listening perhaps to something I'm saying right now. Man, they're thinking, this guy's crazy. Because the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? He tells us they are spiritually discerned. You know, you in the same token, you look at someone or you see that they have a physical need or they have some kind of sickness or something in their body and all of a sudden you feel a strong sense of compassion come over you. Or you see them. Wow, I see they're walking with a, a walker, but man, something just comes over you and says, I know the Father's delight is for them to walk pain-free without that walker and to walk normal. You didn't come up with that on your own. You were here in the Spirit of God. That now it's for you to act in faith upon it, to demonstrate it. So spirit speaks to spirit. Spirit doesn't really speak to soul. Spirit doesn't speak to flesh. Spirit speaks to spirit. The, the problem that many people have, if your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, if that's where you as a human predominantly operate from, then you won't receive spiritual revelation. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discernment, or prophecy. 
Because your soul at that point is currently bigger than your spirit. Is this making sense to you? And you're functioning more from the soul than you are living from the spirit. Or walking by the spirit. This is important to understand. That you realize that if the soul stands in the way. Let, let me give you an example. I've over the years seen in, with my own eyes in person hundreds of people filled with the baptism of the Spirit. But you know there's always the one, right, that seems to struggle to break through. And maybe that's you. And if that's you, no condemnation. And for instance, like when the Holy Spirit begins to speak through someone in another tongue or another language, what has to happen is for you to long enough shut down your carnal reasoning to yield to the Spirit so the Spirit that is in your innermost being will come up out of your belly, which flows rivers of living water. It'll come up out of your belly, come up through your throat, bypass your brain, and straight out your mouth. And that's when it's another tongue. But how, I'm, I'm showing you, contrasting you the difference between soul and spirit. A soulish person thinks, I'm too educated to mumbo jumbo this kind of stuff. Ah, they're going to think I look silly. People, my family is going to think I'm crazy. So you know what happens? The soulish mind, the natural man that cannot receive the things of the Spirit shuts down the flow of the river that's coming up out of their belly, stops it, processes through here. This doesn't make sense. People are going to think I'm crazy. I've never spoken this kind of language before. Maybe this is just me. Maybe it's not real. And they quench the soul? No. They quench the Spirit. Because anytime you try to process spiritual truth, spiritual revelation through the soulish filter that is not yielded to God or trained by the Word of God, there's nothing wrong with the soul. But you want to make sure that as you're reading the Word, what you are doing is you are assimilating the Word, the logos, the thought, the plan, the idea, the logos, the mind of Christ has to get into your mind. Then the soul no longer hinders the spirit. Because you see, God wants to have an agreement within you. He wants your soul, your mind, or your will to be so much in the Word that you have the mind of Christ. And underneath the soul, in your most being, you have the Spirit of Christ. <laughs> oh my, what happens when you have the spirit of Christ in your spirit and you have the mind of Christ has assimilated into your mind or your soul? Then you have an agreement within you. So the, the soul no longer locks up what the spirit contains. But what's in the spirit can flow through the soul and out the mouth or through the hands that's praying for the sick. Why? 
Because the soul and spirit are now in agreement because you've prayed in tongues to develop the spirit and you've got into the word to assimilate the mind of Christ into your mind. I hope you're getting this. Well, praise the Lord. Does anybody remember the story in, I believe it's 2 Kings 4, about the widow? The prophet told her, said, you want to pay off this debt? Well, oil is worth money. Go borrow vessels and borrow not a few. So the Bible says she went out, right? She got a bunch of vessels, brought, and the Bible says the oil, miraculously, oil represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit, started filling the vessels. So she puts down one. Of course, she was going to turn around and sell the oil to help her get out of an unpaid debt. And so one vessel, go, 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 give me another one, get another one. Right, get another one. I mean, she, I'm, she's probably seeing dollar signs as the miracle kept happening. But then something interesting happened. The scripture says that she ran out of vessels. She found as many as she had. She went and borrowed as many as she could borrow. Went to her neighbors, said, can I borrow your vessel? Yeah. When she ran out of vessels, the Bible says something so profound. It says, and the oil stayed. That's King James. Let me translate it in modern version, and you can look this up. When she ran out of vessels and no longer had capacity to receive what God was giving her, the oil stopped. I wonder if some of the big things that God has in store for us, some of the big gifting, some of the big miracles, some of the big encounters, some of the big throne room encounters, angelic encounters, things that God has big in store for us. The problem is we think, why is that happen? Why aren't I receiving? Why aren't I getting words of knowledge? Why aren't I encountering God? Why aren't I seeing angels? And God is simply saying, you've run out of vessels. So the oil stops. In other words, you determine how much you receive by the availability or capacity that you can offer to God. If you have an undeveloped spirit and you live a life that does not focus and spend daily time developing, maturing, growing the spirit man by getting in the word, by staying in the secret place and praying and touching God and fasting and doing the thing. Here, when you do not enlarge that, you can keep enlarge. I believe if she had kept bringing vessels, the oil would have kept multiplying. But she limited the size of her miracle because she ran out of her capacity to receive anymore. Did you catch that? I want you to see this. Verse 15, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Now, so much for all the people. You know, there's some people out there. The only verse they know in all the Bible is judge not. 
I'm serious. That's the only verse they know. And the only verse they know, they take out of context. Jesus said we could judge if we judge righteously. But this scripture says, but he who is spiritual judges all things. But see, here's the problem. An undeveloped spirit, an immature spirit, you've not grown your spirit, man, or enlarged your spiritual capacity. They are not safe to trust judgment with because they do it from the soulish mind. And the soulish mind is where hang-ups and hurts and habits can dilute and filter proper judgment that only comes from the Spirit. See, to the spiritual person, judgment is just. It's fair. It's right. But you know what? Judging for the mature spirit, you know what is its counterpart to the soul? You know what the soul does? Suspicion. Many people think they got the gift of discernment. No, they just got the gift of suspicion. If you're a soulish person, you have the gift of suspicion that you maybe are calling discernment. But if you are a spiritually minded person that can receive the things of God and judge all things, then you are not operating out of suspicion because you have no bone in the fight. You are not controlled by narratives, vendettas, payback, bitterness, retaliation, you're not biased. Those things are in the soulish mind. Bias, suspicion, unforgiveness that, that, that hurts good judgment. Those things come from the carnal mind or the soulish person that hasn't been yielded to God or his word or his spirit. I think some of us, we almost need to write that down in our Bibles. Here's the greatest one of all. When somebody comes to you and says, I don't know, I'm, 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 I'm suspicious of your discernment. Or, I feel like the Lord gave me a dream. Your ministry isn't right or valid. Isn't it how convenient for somebody to tell you, we don't trust your ability to hear from the Lord because the Lord told us something different. Are you serious? So while they're condemning your spiritual gift, they're doing it in the name of mine trumps yours. And, but that don't happen up in Moravian Falls. It just happens other places. <laughs> I'm just being lighthearted. So, the Spirit searches the deep things of God. People that, are not, that don't have spiritual depth are comfortable in soulish, shallow water. Verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord? 
that he may instruct him. But mind of Christ. Hope I'm not doing something. Is that normal? I hope. Okay. Huh? Oh, okay. There we go. I'll get it figured out. I was hoping I could claim it was like some kind of spiritual manifestation. <laughs> so, when you don't receive the things of the Spirit because your soul is bigger than your spirit, what do you do? It's a result of you functioning from your soul more. Well, here is how you fix that. It's called the breaking process. Do you know there's a scripture in your Bible, and it's not quoted very much because nobody likes it, but you know there is a verse in your Bible that says, He that suffers in the flesh will cease from sin. Did you know that's in your Bible? You know why that verse isn't popular? Because nobody likes suffering. <laughs> And so we go through things to refine us to God. God is not behind, you know, God didn't give you cancer so you'd get humble. I don't want you in any way to think I'm saying that. I, I'm simply saying trials and circumstances have an effect on us, though. But do you know in a way you can initiate in your life what unsolicited trials and difficulties do to you? You know what fasting does? Humbled your soul with fasting. It's not easy to do. I'm telling you, it's not easy. And if you've never tried it, you'll figure out it's not. And I believe we need to ask God for a grace for fasting. But there's a verse that says when Jesus said, Whosoever loses his life for my sake, Right? Do you know what that Greek word is for life there? Suke. From whence we get the word soul. Whosoever loses his soul, for mine the gospel's sake, gains pneuma, spirit. God wants to break our soul. Let me say it like this way. It's not that your soul's so terrible and bad and that it... No, that's not what we're saying at all. This isn't some kind of uh, modern version of Gnosticism. That's not at all what we're saying here. We're saying your soul, your mind, your world-trained thinking, the natural man who is bent towards carnal, carnality and the carnal nature... It locks up all the power that you were filled with by the Spirit. So what can happen if through the humbling of your soul or the breaking, anybody ever went through brokenness? Come on, let's be real. Anybody ever been through a real brokenness time? Do you know what that does? It makes your soul a permeable membrane. So that what's in your spirit can come through. There's something about a breaking process that releases what you're containing in your spirit out through your soul and through your body. You see, 
Your spirit can grow. And you know what happens when your spirit grows? God's spirit in you grows. When you enlarge your spiritual capacity, you're enlarging the supernatural in your life. You're enlarging the gifts in your life. You're enlarging God encounters in your life. See, here's, here's why we all go through brokenness. Because our soul has to become an obedient vessel of our spirit. And you know what happens when your soul gets broken through trouble, tribulation, or rejection, or hurt, or whatever, divorce, whatever you've been through that has broken your soul. Anybody notice how in the Bible there's like this unique trend that God encountered people or people encountered God when they were at their lowest moment? You don't believe me? Ask Jonah in the belly of the fish. God didn't talk to him on the boat. Or if God was, Jonah couldn't hear. But when he was at a low spot, how about Joseph from the pit to the prison? to the palace. On and on I can show you. We could talk about Moses, how Moses became this great gifted leader who led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. But God found him hiding as the first Egyptian fugitive or the first biblical jailbird, if you please, hiding from the authorities in the wilderness for 40 years, taking care, not his own sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. He didn't even have his own, as far as we know. And God encounters him through a burning bush. It was when Saul of Tarsus was knocked flat on his back, blinded, scared, I, I really wonder how much was the Lord Jesus trying to talk to him before that moment. Then when the light knocks him flat on his back. Who art thou, Lord? It just seems like over and over that the people in the Bible that had these incredible supernatural God encounters were in a bad position in their life. And they encountered God there. Why? There was a breaking of the suke, the soul. The soul then becomes an obedient vessel of the Spirit. So you know how this is necessary to happen for you to even obey the first commandment. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, strength your soul. But that can only happen right if the God in your spirit can be released in your soul and your mind takes on the mind of Christ. Your thinking takes on His thinking. Let me tell you how you know when you are living from the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, no longer from the soul. When you can walk through Walmart and see somebody and know what's going on with them. Know how to pray for them. Know how to speak to them. Know how to witness to them. You know, how, you know why? You can look at them and say, they went through a car wreck and they just came through a divorce. You know how you can know that? Not, it, it, the Spirit knows all things. 
Not the soul, the spirit man. 2 Corinthians 5.16, this is one of my favorite. You want God to trust you with judgment? You want God to trust you as a judge over the house of Israel? You want God to trust you with more spiritual authority? Then do well with what authority and judgment he gives you. 2 Corinthians 5.16, you ready for this? Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. We don't even, we're not even supposed to know each other by the flesh. This is why I can worship you, worship with you without judgment. Because I can know where you've been, your background, terrible things you said and did. But I know those things were done in the flesh. Maybe you was at a place in your life where you were predominantly soulish. You acted out of character or against the nature of Christ. And you did this and you fell into this sin. Or you got caught in this vice. But I'm not supposed to know you according to the flesh now. I'm supposed to know you by the Spirit. When I know you by the Spirit, I can see your potential, your giftings, your callings. I can see you how God sees you. I can see what God wants to do through you. When I know you by the flesh, though, I can't see what God sees. Because I'm too stuck in seeing what I know by the flesh. And this is why in, in, in a religion, and I don't believe this is here at all, but religious-minded people, this is why there's so much gossip and backbiting and ostracization of people who fail or mess up and they're just totally cast aside or out of the church because we only know them by what they said or did. Aren't you glad God doesn't know us by the flesh? He knows us by the Spirit. And this is why David could commit egregious sin. He committed adultery and then covered up the adultery by murder. And yet God did not take the throne from David. Are we saying that God's okay with adultery and murder? Of course not. But God saw past the outer veneer, the peripheral. He saw past the temporary behavior. He saw past the carnality. And you know how we remember David? We don't remember David the murderer. We don't remember David the adulterer. We remember David a man after God's own heart. There's a difference, by the way, between sinning in the flesh and sinning in the spirit. Now, all sin is sin. You don't want any of it, okay? But there is a difference. David committed sin in the flesh. Adultery and murder. How many of you agree that involves flesh? <laughs> Saul messed up one time. And God stripped him of the throne and his descendants from the throne. You want to know the reason why I'm just, can I just tell you my strong opinion for a minute? This isn't doctrine, and if I'm wrong, you correct it when I'm gone. But I think i got good reason to say this. I believe Saul 
committed a sin of the spirit, and that's why God got rid of him like that. Where David committed sins of the flesh, and he wasn't okay with it, he didn't excuse it. But remember when Saul disobeyed the prophet, God told him, said, I want you to go and kill all the Amalekites. Don't spare anything. Remember, he came back with the best of the oxen, and he came back with the king, and, and Samuel spoke to him and said, God's rejected you that you shouldn't reign over his people. And he, he's just really messing up one time. Apparently, it was a big one. Why would one mistake cause him to lose his throne? But David commits multiple mistakes, and he doesn't lose his throne. In fact, his son was the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. And Jesus is known as the son of David. What's the difference? Because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as idolatry. Hear me. Saul's sin was not him acting out in a temporary carnal way. It was a reflection of his spirit, man. Rebellion against divine authority. You say, well, is that really? God? How many of you know God's no respecter of persons? He didn't just say, well, Saul messed up once. I'm done with him. David, you can do this, do this, do this, and you can keep the throne. No, that's not what happened. Saul's sin was a sin of the spirit. David's sins, plural, were sins of the flesh. Now, some aren't okay and some I'm not in any way implying that God excuses some sin and doesn't others. You, you know, I'm not saying that, right? You get that. But one was done by the flesh, another was done by the spirit. Rebellion is a sin of the spirit. Adultery and murder are sins of the flesh. i got to hurry. So how big is the Holy Spirit in you? <clears throat> as big as your spirit can contain him. He will get as big as your spirit man gets in as much time as you spend in developing, maturing, growing your spiritual capacity. That's the level of how big God can be in you. If you ever see somebody that God's using them powerful, don't get jealous of them. Don't try to tear them down. Don't pull them down. Here's what you need to recognize. There's a lot of grace of God involved, but maybe that person has spent a lot of time faithfully over the years plowing, ma maturing, and developing that spiritual capacity within them. Maybe if we would start trying to do what they did, it's not to earn anything, it's to prepare you. Everything comes by grace freely. Freely receive, freely you give. So, he speaks. The Spirit speaks unto edification. It builds the Spirit. Comfort comes to the soul. I'm going to finish with this. If the Holy Ghost is the size of a pea in you, a little green pea, you're going to have pea-sized power. Because you got a pea-sized spirit. Are you hearing me? If you got a pea-sized spirit, therefore a pea-sized capacity of the Holy Spirit working in you, 
Raising the dead's probably not going to be what you're doing. But when your spirit man grows. Now I'm not saying if you're in an undeveloped place and you haven't had enough time to develop and mature your spirit man. I'm not saying God can't use you. You say, well, what then bridges that gap between a new babe in Christ versus God using them to heal the sick? I mean, some of the most powerful people God's ever used were new converts. New disciples. What was the thing that connected the disconnect? They had just started developing the spirit man, but they're operating in big power. I'll tell you what caught faith connected. Their peace-sized spirit with their almighty God, faith connected that. But if they was to stay a babe in Christ and never wanted to grow spiritually... I guarantee you that won't work forever. Because to whom much is given, much is required. It's the Holy Spirit growing us so we can walk by the Spirit, so that we can know all things by the Spirit, so that we can heal by the Spirit. So you know what will happen when you develop and mature your spiritual capacity and you grow your spirit's capacity and you keep giving vessels to fill? Here's what happens. Power and supernatural power is not just something you'll visit occasionally, but it's a place where you'll live. You'll live there where we walk in His presence. We walk in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit, not after the lust of the flesh. Hallelujah. Is anybody else besides me in this room that says, man, I want to enlarge my spirit's capacity. I want to enlarge my spiritual capacity. I want to enlarge my spiritual capacity. I want, brother, I want to speak to you if I can by the word of the Lord. You were the, and I've never met you, never heard of you, never seen you in my life. You were the first person that just shook my hand when I came in. But I felt the heart of God for you. And I think that there's something significant. There's a verse I want to read to you. It's um, Titus 2.14. Can I read that to you here? Somebody got Titus 2.14? I'm trying to find the verse. Is it the grace of God that has appeared, that has brought salvation, has appeared to all men? Right here it is. Titus 2.14. He who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Somehow I feel like that scripture applies to your life, gift, and calling. He gave himself that he might redeem or free us from iniquity. And purify unto himself, purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Now I don't know what you do uh, in, in the church. I've never seen you before today. 
2.14, Titus 2.14, about setting a people free of iniquity and challenging them to good works. Does that speak to anything? Okay, 2.14, what about that? Is that significant to you? It's your anniversary, all right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I believe it was also the day that Bob Jones died, wasn't it? You know, like a, is there like a Jill? That's your sister. All right. So, brother, I feel like to hear today that the Lord's going to release more than just a teaching gift, but there's going to be a supernatural anointing to get people delivered of things that are binding and holding them. And that there will be an impartation of deliverance when you speak or you teach them or you talk to them. There's something about getting them free so they can walk in their purpose. And you know a little bit about that because God did some of that in you. And that's why that resonates in your heart from things he delivered you from years ago, even when you was a young man in your uh, teens. There were just some dark things and vices that the enemy wanted to try to destroy and snuff out your life. You see, the enemy always wants to destroy a Jesus as a baby. The spirit of Herod always wants to destroy Jesus as a baby before uh, he can be the miracle worker as a grown man. And some of the things you went through as a young man that could have taken your life, but God spared it. And I don't know, I'm trying to, there's something I'm tuning into. There was one specific night that the enemy, uh, I feel like the Lord's let me tune in, something almost, it, it, let, me, let me just say it this way. There was a situation that God intervened or you would have been lost. Your life would have been lost, but God spared you. And, uh, you know, God, aren't you glad that God delivers us of anger and drugs and alcohol and those type of things? And, brother, he's done those things, great things for you. And I want to, I don't know, that this, uh, it's not Lithuania, but Lithia. I don't know that, that word lithia. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know what's significant about that, Lithuania or lithia or something like that. But here's what I do want to say to you. God knows right where you're at. And I don't know if that's a location. I don't know what that is. But God knows right where you are at. And he has ordained, and is it something like Labrado or <laughs> Labrada? Is that right? Part, Awesome. Okay, that's what it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, thank the Lord for both of you, and thank the Lord for what took place on 2-14-1988, because God has brought you for 33 years. That's the year you were married. Amen. Well, God's going to do a new thing. It's going to be a new ministry model. He's going to use both of you as a team. It's not going to be just a one-man show anymore. God's going to use couples and husbands and wives, and he's going to empower both of you. And he's also, by the way, going to touch you. Blood pressure and things like that, God's just going to completely eradicate and touch your back as well. Would you stretch your hands forward to my friend right here? Lord, touch my brother right now. Even I see on the right side there's a rib. I don't know if it's out of spot 
what, out of joint or what, but Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, supernaturally, for you to touch my brother and give him a backbone of steel and bring healing and strength to him and any health concerns that his wife may privately have regarding him. I just pray that you'll wash that away and you'll strengthen them right now and let that anointing of God to bring freedom and deliverance to people, let it be set aflame, let it be set ablaze and let them walk in an anointing and a power for which they've never known before. Come on, let's praise the Lord all over this room. I want to read that verse to you again if I can. Look at, listen to this. I think you need to hear this. He who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Hold on to that verse, brother. Man, the Holy Spirit's all over you right now. Come on, get a good dose of it. Get immersed in it. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Hallelujah. Lord, you see the burden in his soul and the anointing upon his life and you kept him from so much some very specific incidents that could have taken his life, but God, your hand was upon him, and you kept him. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, release that, Lord, to this precious couple. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah! Release the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Come on, let's lift our hands all over this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 214, I guess that's a good day to get married on, they say. I don't Thank you, Jesus. Is this all right if we just let the Lord have his way? We don't want to get in a hurry or nothing, but... Thank you, Lord. If you're here and this isn't your church and you're a visitor, stand to your feet all over this room. If you're a visitor, awesome. Praise the Lord. Visitors, okay, is there something like, I see, I see a rose blooming. That's you, your visitor. But you're fr are you from another nation or something? Okay, but you're from Kenya, and your name is Rose. All right, you're a visitor. You are a prophetic intercessor. You have that anointing, and let me tell you something. The Lord wants you to know that you were not wrong when you believed him when he showed you that you was going to be used with an anointing for healing and deliverance. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Called for healing and deliverance and I also see a book in you that you're going to write about the glory of God. I don't know the woman ever seen her in my life, but the Lord knows her. Does that make sense to you about the healing and the deliverance? Can you share that? If not, that's fine. Okay, yeah. 
the book the Lord told you to write, have you written it yet? Ten pages, but you've not released it publicly. or, And it's about unveiling the realms of the Spirit. I think that's got something to do with the glory of God that he said he showed me that you would write about. And the healing and deliverance. I, I, I don't... So Dan shared that with you? That's two weeks ago. You were told that from the Lord through the man of God about healing and deliverance. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God knows what he's doing? Sister, I want you to be encouraged in your faith. And I see that you're going to live up to your name. You and because of the prayers of someone, it's like a Mary or something like that. Mary is your mother. All right. There's something significant about Mary's life. I don't know anything about her. I'm not, I don't know where she's at or where she lives. But it's like, what's that spice? Rosemary. Okay. So I feel like a heaven is cooking up a divine recipe. And the ingredients of rosemary, or we'll just say healing and deliverance. They're going to be baked right. And I feel like that God is going to allow you to serve that dish to his people. And you're going to walk in that, and you're going to find, even though God has taken care of you thus far, he's going to provide for you, provide for your needs, and make a way where there seems to be no way, and he's going to supply and take care of you. And there's a specific person on your heart that you've been praying about, and I, I can't quite pick up who the person is, but there's a specific person, and I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you, the Lord wants you to know they're going to be all right. They're going to be okay. Amen? You know? What I'm talking about, you don't have to take it into your own hands. They're going to take, God's going to take care of them, and they're going to be all right. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for that. Thank the Lord. Y'all may be seated. Hallelujah. So I'm seeing something like a lion, the face of a lion. I don't know what that would be. I don't know if that means something to someone or it's a name or, but the Lord knows. Your last name is Lion. Pardon me? L-Y-O-N. So it's spelled different. Okay. <laughs> That's the face of a lion. It's okay, you can, you can stay standing because I am going to speak to you. But, um, wow, that is, that's bizarre. Anyway. <laughs> we've never met. As far as I know, we've never spoken. I have no connection to you in life. Is that true? Am I connected to you in any way that I know of, that, that you know of or that I know of? Not that you know of. Okay. So I see a face of an intense lion. And even though the lion is the king of the jungle, it also 
requires him to show that he's the lion. In other words, he gets attacked and he has to be the one to overcome. And I just feel like this is for you, but I feel like it's for some others. Some of the heavy things that some of you have been through, some of the difficult disappointments and hurts and, and, and relationships that failed and just different things in your life. And brother, I just want to say this to you. You have overcame, even though at times you felt weak and vulnerable, you're still here. And it's because that lion spirit, not lying, lion spirit, and you're living up to your name. Man, I feel like that that lion can grow in even more aggression. And it comes from a place of intimacy. Just like, remember when the disciple whom Jesus loved laid his head upon the chest of Jesus. He laid his head upon the chest of Jesus and the Bible says that when he did that, that there was a closeness between uh, John and Jesus. Because he literally heard the heartbeat of God. Think about that. And I want you to know, sir, if you'll be like that disciple whom Jesus loves, you, you will raise up with a new strength of the line to overcome all the things that even I feel like that were said against you as a young as a young man, and I also want you, I feel like that God is doing something. I see the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it's lungs or what, or heart, but right here I see God touching you for something right there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I ask you right now to touch his heart and his lungs both. Does that make, that makes, okay. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray right now that no blockage of any artery will stifle or hinder his quality of life and let his breathing be full and free and restored, Lord. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, even his, in his uh, knees as well, Lord, I'm just praying that, Lord, that he would be a man of prayer, but you'll heal uh, his knees as well and for your glory and touch this dear man with the last name, Lion, and let him be as the disciple whom Jesus loves. And that love will be so fierce, like a lion, that it will help him overcome health obstacles, family obstacles, and financial obstacles. And let the Holy Spirit rise up with the fierceness of a lion in him and touch him for your glory in Jesus' name. Let's praise the Lord for that. Amen. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Say that again. Okay, his first name's John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, thank the Lord. Pardon me? So what's John? Your middle name's John. Is that right? Is that? Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, thank the Lord. John's a middle name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you see the needs of your people. How many of you have unsaved family? I know that's most of you that are close to you. Family, relatives. God knows. He absolutely knows. 
Where is the verse that says he promised he would save you and your household? Somebody help me look that verse up. What is it? Acts 16.31. I want some of you to underline that verse if you believe in doing that. And I want you to start claiming that. Acts 16. Yeah, and they said... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. Thank you, Jesus. Brother, do you have brothers? I don't think I know you either. I, as far as I know, we're not connected in life is any, in any way. That's true. Um. Oh my, there's a, you all think I'm really carnal right now. What's the country singer's first name? Um, it's like Cole something. C-O-L-E. Okay, I'm seeing like Cole and Brandon um, and like an Ethan. And that may not be for you, um, but I know those names are significant for someone. But I feel like that the Lord is going to converge those three people together, and it's going to be like a salvation in their family. And they're going to come to the Lord at the same time. I don't know. It's like, I don't know exactly who that would be for. I don't know if that's for you, if that's for someone over here. But I appreciated the spirit that you displayed in uh, playing. You were the, were you up here today? Okay. Um, I thought that you, I keep hearing the Lord saying something about if this is a season, you're about to start something in your life. There's something significant about to begin. And if you will take the Lord serious in this time, he's going to bless you with a godly family heritage that I believe is going to start with you. Are you married or um, dating or anything like that? No. I feel like that there's something about to start in your life that the Lord wants to begin in you. And if you will yield yourself completely to Him and you will surrender and say, Lord, I want to take you serious. I'm taking you at your word and I want you. I want you more than anything. And I'm not going to doubt what you're doing, but Lord, I want you to use me in my life. And I want you to start something in me and in my family through me. How many believes the Lord can do that for him? And he can do that for every person that's in this room. Amen. Lord, we want to trust you. I want every person in this room that battles a heart condition, stand to your feet all over this room right now in Jesus' name. So Lord, we just pray right now the healing of the hearts in this room. A lot of times people that battle with heart condition have battled with some type of severe sadness in their family or their life. And so Lord, I just break any yoke of heaviness or sadness off of them. And I just pray in the name of Jesus.
that you will completely bring healing to the heart. Healing to the heart, Lord, yes, and back of there even for um, Mr. Allman, Lord, as I prayed for him, I saw you touching him in his heart. I'm praying that every person in this room that battles with a heart condition, that you will speak life and healing and wholeness to their heart in the name of Jesus for your glory. Show yourself to be mighty and strong in their lives. And I just command all affliction to leave the heart in the name of Jesus. We speak life. We speak life. We speak life in their hearts. You can just put your hand on your heart right wherever you are. Thank you, Lord, for being the healer of hearts. Let their lives be preserved and their hearts be strengthened. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I believe there's going to be people that are going to have a testimony of the healing that God did for their heart here today. How many believes the Lord is a healer in this room? I know you do. <laughs> Diabetes. People that are in the room battling with a diabetic condition. Amen. Stand up if you're able. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray that a balance will come into their blood that the sugar in their blood will be corrected and the chemistry of their body will be healed. Change their chemistry. Heal their chemistry for your glory. Show yourself to be mighty and strong. And I just ask for a healing from the top of their head to the soles of their feet and the pancreas as well. That the pancreas would be healed and it would regulate and it would work exactly how you created it to work. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God bless you all. You may be seated. So, Father, I just pray for this house. Every difficulty that has come against this church, Lord, I pray that you will free anybody's heart in this church that feels hurt from those who have walked away or tried to bring division. Lord, I pray for a spirit of unity upon this body, upon this body of believers. Strengthen the dear pastor and his wife. Lord, bring edification to the pastoral team and the ministry team and to uh, Pastor David and Shirley. Lord, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that this church will catch a new vision for its future. It will be a church for all nations, unto all nations. And Lord, I'm praying for a heart for missions. Lord, I'm praying that you will raise up people with apostolic authority in this house. Lord, with apostolic prayers, with prophetic gifting, prophetic anointing. And it's all right to step out and try. You don't always have to have it right or to get it right. You just got to work on it. You just got to learn to listen to the voice of God. Lord, I'm praying right now in Jesus' name that there will be even enough young people that will come to this church, God, that there will be schools in here. Lord, that there will be churches born 
born out of here in other nations. Lord, I'm praying that this will be an activating center, an equipping center, a place to send out, Lord. Lord, I'm praying that you'll do that. And you got something to do with that too. I keep coming back to you, but there's something. Lord, I'm just praying that you'll raise up mighty equippers to edify and train the body of Christ. And Lord, that we will be those who know how, Lord, to raise up a mighty end time army in this last hour to bring glory to your name. Lord, we're praying that this last hour will be the church's finest hour. And let this church, I declare angelic and can, there's angels in this room right now. Hear me. There are angels in this room right now. I see a fierceness on the face of an angel that is in this room right now. A warrior angel is in this room right now. Hear me. There is a warrior type angel fighting for this church, fighting for the legacy, fighting for the future of this church. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Stand to your feet all over this room. Come on. I feel uh, maybe a little doubt coming from the crowd. Don't doubt, believe. The Lord wants to do wonders in this life, and I feel like in this church, and I feel like there's someone with the, the name Howard that is going to rise up. It's either a first or last name, I don't know, but they're going to rise up in their destiny and be all that God has called them to be. It's a husband and a wife. So Lord, I just release that over them right now. And I pray God for a release of angelic activity in this place. Let there be a stirring up the, of the gift. Lord, let there be mighty streams flow out of this church to form that mighty river of the Holy Spirit and let your name be glorified. God, I thank you for this full crowd here today, and I thank you for new ones that are coming. They're going to receive the Lord. They're going to know you in the fullness of the truth and the power of your saving name. Lord, we just pray right now for a greater release of intercession anointing. Lord, not just the ones interceding, but for the ones doing. I pray that you'll enable their hands, enable their feet, guide their feet. Lord, let this church have greater clarity and vision and eyes and ears. Let it be the head, Lord, in the body of Christ. Lord, let it be very much like the prophetic anointing that sees and hears and smells and tastes and thinks. And I just pray, God, for a release of your grace. Come on, let's send up a mighty praise all over this room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy hill. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, it feels, I feel something in this room. God wants to break out and break forth through you. I wonder what would happen if for like 60 solid seconds you would just have a thanksgiving heart right now. I'm going to close up in just a second, but I wonder what, what, what kind of doorway, what kind of gate would open if there'd be a spirit of thanksgiving be released from the people of God right now. 
Lord, I'm asking for every person that's battling sickness, disease, or pain to be healed right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Hallelujah. 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 Let those warrior angels go out and fight for your people. Let them open doors before the people arrive. Let, Lord, let them part seas before they step in. God, I'm praying for those warring angels to stand up and fight in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, we're so thankful to know you. And we just bless you and give you thanks and praise. Amen. Lord, I pray for the pastor that he will, Lord, that he will be all that you've called him to be. Thank you for this faithful man and woman of God. And I just pray a greater release in this hour and in us an energy to accomplish the mandate upon their life in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, pastor.